thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world, sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hey guys, before starting today's episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Column is looking to make another hire to their customer support team. Uh, they're looking for someone to help with um, support and customer experience as they continue to grow into the future. Um, you're going to be one of the early members of the team. You're gonna have an immediate impact on their go-to-market strategy, their customer experience design, and their team culture. Um, I know for a fact, having um, worked with Kevin and some of the team at Column, uh, it is an incredible company. They're doing incredible things and they're changing the way uh, that newspapers, public notices, and information sharing is going to happen in the future. If you are interested in learning more about this role, please, please, please feel free to reach out to Kevin directly um, or you can visit careers.column.us to learn more about the brand new customer support lead role. Thanks so much, folks. Hey, folks, this is Adrian, your host of the CX Chronicles podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to amazing customer-focused business leaders each and every week. I wanted to take a minute to talk about a couple brand new product and service offerings at CXC. Number one, customer scorecards. Have you had a minute to take a look at our CX scorecards and understand how you're doing across team, tools, process, and feedback? Number two, customer feedback reporting. A number of different companies are looking for ways to get better customer feedback reporting. Reach out to CXE today if you need help setting up your MPS, CSAT, product SAT, or customer effort score. Number three, customer experience coaching. Take the time to become a customer-focused business leader. We've done some amazing work with a number of awesome CXers out there. Reach out to us today at CXE to learn how you can get your customer-focused business leader playbook for success. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited for today's show. Kevin Richmond from Column is here with us to talk shop today. Kevin, welcome to CXE, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. I'm super pumped uh, to, to dive into your story. Guys, Kevin and I have been chatting uh, for the last couple of weeks, and not only does he have an awesome story around um, just his own journey around customer experience, but he works at a super cool company in the D.C. area that's doing some really cool things. So he's going to have a, an awesome story for us today. Well, that's setting some high expectations, but I'll try to meet them. That's what I try to do. I try to get you guys to have these super high expectations, and then you have to you have to come through with them. But no, why don't you start off the show, sir? Um, spend a couple minutes just giving giving the CX Nation um, your, your your elevator pitch, Kevin. Like, just give us the scoop for sort of how you became the customer focused business leader you are, and how you how you ended up at at Column where you are today. Yeah, so I I don't have a very traditional path, right? So I um, right after undergrad, I went to the government. Um, and basically my whole career had been around filling gaps. Uh, so that started with actually data analytics. So okay. at the time there weren't a lot of data scientists in the government. Um, now they'd probably be horrified at some of the decisions that we were making based on my analysis. <laughs> but at the time it looked really great. Um, but that started getting me involved in change management. Uh, and then from change management, uh, probably the most interesting take when I was doing change management for um, like an agency wide level. And interestingly, it was about how do you become a virtual workforce, which is like really relevant right now. Super so really relevant. Interesting, like 
six years ago, seeing that being discussed and like hearing some of the challenges today. Yep. Um, but it was just the human element, right? It was, it was not around technology policy to make sure that like people were enabled to do this stuff. It was really like the biggest hiccups were on the human side of it. You know, how does change actually occur? Um, you know, how do you work with people to get them to overcome some of these challenges? And so I started moving into customer experience areas. Um, didn't know much about it. So went and worked with the like innovation lab at Office of Personnel Management, which was doing human-centered design, which started getting me into experience design. Cool. Started getting me more engaged with customer experience in general. Yeah. Um, and took all of that and ended up going two years abroad to Paris. Uh, Sweet. So for, yeah, so for the past two years, uh, 2018 and 2019, um, my wife and I were in Paris and I was working for OECD, Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, um, working with governments around the world on public sector innovation. So how do you start you know, dealing with the challenges of today and the speed of change um, that all these governments are facing from their, their citizenry and how do you, does government stay relevant? And a lot of those ended up being CX challenges. Yeah. Um, especially because in the public sector, you don't get to choose your customers. Your design right. decisions aren't made on like, what are our customers? Like your customer is everyone. And that's yeah. just a really, really unique challenge. Um, after two years, wife said it was time to go home. <laughs> her career on pause for me to, for us to go there. And that had to have been an incredible experience, man, for yeah. anybody to be able to pack up and, and go to one of the, one of the most incredible cities in the world. That's a huge opportunity. It was amazing would not trade it for the world but she did put her career on pause for it so get it. Decided, i get it yeah i, get it. To, I would start i would start missing home too man I, I as much as as much as my wife and i do talk about wanting to do this we know that you have a there's a there's a clock on this stuff you want to get back to friends back to you back to your network back to the things you're doing totally understand yeah, it exactly and it ended up being really good timing based on like us having a house in the area with a yard as opposed to like an 800 <laughs> foot like small paris apartment yeah um, yeah but yeah, so I came back and ended up hooking up through a friend of a friend with this group at the time called eNotice, now called Column. Um, really early stage, right? Like they were just at the beginning of their their journey with customers. Okay. Um, we realized like pretty quickly based on our like who we were dealing with that customer experience was going to be uh, a really important factor. Yep. That it wasn't just about bringing customers on board; it was about keeping them, and that was more important than just getting them getting them started. Um, and so I came on and I've been running that since April. Uh, so awesome. we're, we're, yeah, closing in on, on at the end of this year, like nine months, but yeah, it's been a heck of a journey. That's awesome. So, so first of all, Kevin, that's, um, aw- thank you so much for sharing that with all of us. It's awesome. Awesome story. Awesome background. Um, before we jump into the four six pillars, I think there's a couple, couple thoughts I have. Um, the the government piece is super interesting to me because you already called it out, which is any business or any CX or anyone who is being asked uh, to manage what are what are the customers think about our business, what do they think about the day to day. I'd love to just spend a, a couple more minutes in the government piece because you're right. This is like my first thought was what were some of the primary mediums that you guys were using to be able to actually solicit information about what people thought about what should be happening with government? That's one question. Is it the same as what we see with businesses or did you have a specific uh, set of tools or, or process that you used to collect that information? Yeah. So as much as governments collectively, and I'll speak pretty generally about governments around the world, 
um, say that they, they value a lot of this information. They certainly don't if you look at it from an investment perspective. So tools um, may not really exist in the capacity that we talk about them in the private sector. Yeah, okay. Um, the, the big breakthroughs that happen in government is the fact that most people don't realize they can go out and actually solicit feedback. Right. There's very formal feedback mechanisms that are survey related and all, all of this stuff that is like long process, lots of approvals. And as soon as we're like, we're just going to go talk to people, like we're just going to go sit at this service and like see what is happening and start mapping it out and, and asking people what they felt like afterwards. And, you know, that's where all the breakthroughs were ending up happening. So you talk about that in DC under the Obama administration, there was the school lunch program. Um, there was a really cool one in Portugal where they were redoing how you deal with a death in the family. Interesting. There were like 14 steps that you had to know when to talk to a bank, but a bank had to get permission from the government first. Right. And um, they like set up this unit where all of those groups had to sit in the same room together and they could start mapping out when those communications happened and have it all happen in one place with a, a person. Um, like just watching during these, like, you know, the most meaningful parts of people's lives end up having a government connection in some capacity, that there's some role. Yep. And so if you can make that easier and better and improve that experience um, and, and get out of the way at times, then all of a sudden uh, like it clears space for starting to do bigger things. When you start talking about reimagining, not just like how to make a service better, but what services should be available and how um, it starts opening up some of those questions as well. So it's, Still an emergent area. Um, it's certainly uh, not not across the board as like a normal operating practice. But sure. I think that idea of curiosity and getting feedback and starting to implement that feedback in a meaningful way um, is becoming mandatory. Where before it was just kind of something off to the side. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. You and I were talking about this um, the other day in a, in a separate conversation around just it is. It's almost become um, it's table stakes. It's, it's, it's something that a company uh, that wants to compete in today's world, especially in a post-COVID world where everything is primarily going to be digital, it's going to be online. Um, but not only is your search and your exposure to different brands or to different products or services going to happen primarily there, we are already seeing fulfillment, delivery, execution happening online as well. So it's like we're already there. But um, I think that you're right, man. I think that it, it, what's interesting about some of your early experience, though, seeing it from that huge macro lens with these, with the, a whole population of people and understanding how to break that down, that's a really interesting start, right? A lot of CXers, they get some of their 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 their, their chops started by being a part of a fast growing company and they get to understand how CX evolves from there. I think it's super interesting how you started in a totally different right, seeing it from a, a government lens with, 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 a, with a big population type of set. So it must've just laid a really interesting foundation for, for your personal CX journey. It did, but we were, I mean, like you talk about building the plane as it's flying. Like that was like the core definition of it, of we didn't have much support. It was like, yeah, you like go do this somewhere and like, let us know if anything interesting happens. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. There wasn't funding. There wasn't a lot of time. It was like the space that we carved out, which also meant for the most part, I was learning as I went, I didn't yeah. know most of this stuff already. So it was like, what resources could I use in my network? What could I find online to just start piecing things together in terms of how you collect feedback, how you do surveys, how you do the proper analysis to not get false positives and false negatives where you're really making meaningful decisions. Um, 
and then yeah the the overwhelming amount of like the scope of what you're dealing with is just it's intense at first and so yeah. it was really a a trial by fire but decently low stakes in the fact that you know it was not seen as a core priority uh when i started that journey yep no that that, that, that that's it's look it's it's an awesome foundation for it. i'm excited to jump into the four cx pillars i'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes talking about the team that you guys are building over a column yeah so let's talk about column um before we talk about column, let's talk about public notice because most people don't actually know. That. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start there. <laughs> so um, for as many listeners that have actually looked at a physical paper recently, um, in the back of your paper, there's the classified section. Um, classified section is actually three different areas. So you have the typical classifieds as you think about them. Um, you have generally obituaries. And then you have these things called public notices. So public notices have actually been in law since the, the British Empire um, and, and have continued to be in law as a government defining what is important local information to keep an informed citizenry. Okay. So this is something like the government having to post expenditures, ordinances, um, any sort of major construction, even like competition for, you know, request for price or request for quotes for a construction project or things of that nature. Um, but there's also individual ones. So name changes. Okay. Um, so not in Virginia where I am. Um, we didn't have to do a public notice when my wife and I got married around name change, but other places they do. Um, notice to creditors, things of that nature. So all of these have to get into the paper. Okay. So these public notices uh, are, uh, well, Column is, in essence, an administration for how public notices can get into those newspapers. So we're really like the first collaborative public notice platform helping journalists, government, and legal services like, work together to keep an informed community. So we, we have a platform that you know, government and legal services and even private citizens um, can place those notices in an easy, you know, fully transparent way, and that newspapers can end up processing these um, more accurate, faster, uh, more savings um, with the idea that, you know, we are trying to support local journalism, local newspapers, um, and feel that, uh, you know, with the challenge around local news right now and news deserts, if we can be a part of helping solve some of those challenges um, or be a part of that solution, I think that that's really meaningful in terms of keeping the public informed and making sure that people are informed about what's going on in their local communities. That's huge, Kevin. That's awesome. I think number one, it's a space that, um, you know, a lot of people, if you, if you're not working in media or newspapers or, or, or working in a, in a space that's close to journalism, you might not even think about some of this stuff, but really, um, I, it's a huge, huge, massive space. It's a huge, ripe area, you know, prime for opportunity. And uh, you guys have already done a pretty awesome job of getting uh, getting things set up for, for a very interesting future. Um, I'd love for you to give us a sense for how um, how the customer-facing team is set up today at, at Column and give us a sense for how you actually interact with some of the, some of the customers that you're working with. Yeah, so we are an early stage venture back startup. Um, and the biggest advantage of being so early stage is that we ha can use this time to really have a deep understanding of our customers and spend as much time with them as possible. Um, and so what that means is we had, you know, 150, 200 customers when I joined. 
um, both between newspapers as well as the people that are placing notices. Okay. I literally just called all of them up. <laughs> um, like I called every single one of them. You're up listening to her. Yep. I, <laughs> I, at the end of like my first three months, I think I had talked to over 120 different awesome. people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the idea of like our team is focused on two things. Uh, one is having a, and I, I'll say this company wise, wide, having a shared understanding of who our customers are and what their values are, making sure that is spread across the company um, to, to, un, to you know, make sure that those decisions roll into product, roll into dev, roll into business development. Like we want it to be across the company um, and to have empathy for those users, right? And the only way you can do that is through, you know, having a greater understanding and relationships with them. Big time. And, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have a success team, we have a support team, so proactive and reactive, um, you know, and so we, but we also have like our dev team on support and our product team one, cause we're a small business. Um, but also because like you talk about, it's really easy to talk third hand or just hear third hand what someone is going through. But when you're actually having to work with that person and solve yep. some of those challenges, man, it opens things up and makes us move so much faster yeah. building that empathy across the organization rather than just, you know, Oh, like what does our customer think? Let's go to Kevin and let's go to his team. Like yeah, you know, yeah. we all have that understanding. I think that's huge. And it's also, there's something about you're right. It's the empathy piece is huge, but then the other piece is just, I know my career, Kevin, it's nothing is more helpful than when you get to sit with somebody who is right, right. Dealing with your, your, your frontline, uh, hand to hand combat with your, with your customers in the terms of just doing the phone calls, doing the text messages, doing the emails, doing the back and forth. But what the other, the other piece is you literally get to see what goes into orchestrating the day to day just by obviously right now it's a little bit different because we're in a remote world, but I'm thinking like when you can imagine back pre COVID, you get to sit next to Kevin, see how he's doing a side search, see what tools he's using as he's helping that customer try to figure out a problem, see some of the the, the, the blockers or the challenges that, that come into that process. And then you guys get to talk it out after that customer interaction. That's literally how you get better for tomorrow or for next week or for next quarter and build on that. Yeah, so the, the beginning of our company was actually founded in the basement of a newspaper. So- okay. Our founder is from a newspaper family. Um, and so Manhattan Mercury in Manhattan, Kansas, it's where we operated from. And so we got to watch the legals people like, oh, you have a question? Let me go to my filing drawer and find your notice that like we have. Um, and oh, I put it in the wrong file. So like there's some confusion. We're like, all right, there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah. yeah. So, so understanding how all that, how our you know, customers have operated, um, has really helped inform, you know, where we can make immediate improvements and value and bring extra value to them. Love it. Love it. Kevin, I'd love to jump into a uh, second CX pillar of tools. You spent a couple minutes talking about the toolkit that, um, you and your team have had to build as columns grown as, and as you've taken on more and more customers and have worked with more newspapers. Yeah. So, you know, at first you could really, hack together everything in the background with with not a lot of customers um, and like a growing customer base and you can handle it all as one person just doing everything yep. um, and that that has stopped um, <laughs> we, we are we have a, a growing base that is demanding more things but also is increasing the complexity of our system yeah. um, which means we have to mature how we we operate um, so 
you know, one of the biggest challenges that we were doing recently is how do we make sure all of our customer data is going into a centralized system? Sure. So it meant, you know, our, the, the live chat that we were using on our site didn't integrate with our CRM system. So we had to change live chats because that's just not a good decision to, to keep that as like a bespoke piece of information rather yep. than have it being centralized in. Um, you know, so that's, that's part of it. The other part was maturing how we do uh, support. So support originally was just going into, you know, the actual console on Firebase in Google and like resolving things which is fine when you're a group of five people and everyone knows how to do that. When all of a sudden you start expanding your team, um, it's probably not a good idea to be constantly having like seven people in the console at all times, like editing directly into the production yep. group. So, you know, we, we started working with this group called retool um, that we basically have our dev team design like our backend support for us through retool. Awesome. So like it's us and dev, like working together to spec out those challenges and start putting them into the backend. So the goal is to like never go into Firebase anymore. <laughs> uh, there are certain systems that we should and shouldn't go into. Um, so retool has been like a godsend for us in terms of um, on the support side. And then the success I'd say, you know, we're still growing. We, like I said, we're centralizing data. We're starting to automate a little more in terms of what is the cadences and tasks as people are going through the, the onboarding, you know, uh, process. Yep. But, you know, it's somewhere where we're still growing and we're still iterating on it all the time. I love it. I mean, dude, first of all, it sounds awesome. And you guys are off to an incredible start. I, I, I have to ask this. What is the biggest difference from going from... It, uh, earlier in your career with some of the governmental work that you were doing in using some of those tools and some of those technologies versus to being able to, you guys at Column are building the super tech forward, like a lot of cool things happening, a lot of cool tools. You guys aren't afraid of technology. What, what's the big difference, man, being in yeah, world so one the, and world two? The there's, I get asked this question and one other, which is just like, what's the difference between working at a startup and working yeah, at a government? Yeah. So like, on the, just like the theoretical side, it's your allocation of time. Like if you're a hard worker, you're going to find things to do in government as well. You're still going to spend 80 hours a week working and you're still going to be dedicated, but you're focused more on moving the chess pieces around for the big decision where, so it's more meetings, it's more building networks, um, building champions and, and finding some of those early adopters yep. on the startup side. It's much more action oriented, yeah. right? Like you're just doing, you're just doing um, stuff. So it's not that there's more or less work. It's just like different allocation from the tech side, totally different. And this has been like a very difficult transition for me for the first couple months in government. The focus was we're going to do an all in one system that can just do everything. And it's going to do everything mediocre, but like it will do everything in one spot. Right. right. And like that will be the solution for us. It's like, if this one thing is not the most amazing thing in the world for how we handle it. We're going to go find someone else that does that and just yeah. make sure that there's an integration there or like design our own integration for that. Yep. So the idea that our tech stack is greater than our number of employees was just a very weird moment for me in that like we have, you know, triple the amount of technology and like different apps than we do people because we want to find something that does what we need it to do extremely well yep. and we'll make sure that they connect in terms of their data. And that just was a totally different operating principle than I was used to. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Kevin, a lot of the folks that, 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 that come on the CX Chronicles podcast, that's the one huge commonality or the, the one big, big common piece is toolkits can get really expansive. They can get expensive too. So not only can they get huge, they can get expensive, but I think the more folks that I talk to in my own journey and, the, and, and, and some of these businesses are just blowing up overnight. You're talking about companies that go from $0 revenue to a couple of years later, some of them are producing tens of millions of dollars of annual revenue. I don't think it's a coincidence though that early on, and, and, and we won't get into the details of how it gets paid for. Oftentimes it's investor money and it's, 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 it's these, these, it's a different network of people that are supporting the business early on. But I think that there's part of the magic sauce to so many explosive companies is the fact that they are open to using these different tools. They test on a constant basis. They, 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 they take things on. They're constantly integrating and, and making sure that these systems are talking to each other. I think that's part of what helps so many of them. Uh, achieve these wild goals in such short timelines. Yeah, I think it's the idea of we are not, we are only going to and want to work with the best. And like, we are going to go seek that out because that's not a core competency for us. So yep. we're going to go find someone that does it really well and and partner with them instead. Yep. Um, and like, we will make it work on the back end somewhere. But like the idea of, we want to make sure that what we are investing in is going to materially improve how we work, like yeah. our efficiency, our effectiveness, whatever your measurement is, um, is just, yeah, a very different process. And to be able to test them out quickly, right? Like I'm going to go sign up for this. I'll pay for a month of it. We're going to see if it works. And if not, we're throwing it away and we're going to go to something. Exactly. Yep. Um, it's just a very different pace of change than, than there was when I was in the, the public sector. The, uh, this, this, this space sounds a lot more fun, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it did take me a couple months. There were a couple months of like, Oh my God, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> what, did I, what did I get into? <laughs> why do I have to learn? Like I just learned 12 different like apps. Why are there seven new ones to learn this week? Was like not a fun, uh, welcoming yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. type of life, but now like I'm fairly used to it. Yeah. You get used to it quick. Um, Kevin, I'd love for you to spend a minute or two talking about process. So every startup and every growth focused company thinks about process, thinks about playbooks, thinks about process mapping in a different type of way. Can you spend a couple of minutes kind of talking about how you guys are thinking about process curation or optimization over a column? Yeah. So one of the things that we have been focused on over the past couple months specifically is how much manual labor hours are we spending doing tasks that shouldn't be? So let's map out what is the full life cycle of customers. Yep. What is our level of effort across that life cycle? Yep. And what does that actually break down into? And then say, where are we spending time where we should absolutely not be spending time? Um, or how can we look at automation to solve some of these things to do these automatically? Um, and so that's been a really big focus of ours. Uh, we've been focused on it with like different parts, for instance, like the onboarding cycle. Yep. We've really been focused on how do we improve the process to do that, both to speed up how we mature customers so that, you know, mature customers require uh, less support, um, less check-ins, but also, you know, how do we reduce our labor hours as well? And so we found that like, we're probably, uh, we're, we're probably not as efficient as we'd like at this point. Um, and so 
like part of that is playbooks, right? Like how do we get into a cadence while leaving flexibility, especially as early stage that we don't know what we don't know yeah. and building in that flexibility for customers. But um, having a more clear guidance and understanding for how to resolve things. And I think we're doing a pretty good job on support. So we've started to build out in support the all the common issues and we have videos for behind the scenes for our staff awesome. as well as like step-by-step guides and like how to use all the tech stack for support. Um, and we're starting to build that on success, but I would say that's one of those areas that we probably need to continue to grow and like will be one of our big focuses going into next year as we look at, you know, how to be more efficient and effective in, you know, going through these processes. Yep. I love it. It's something that every, every growing business has to go through. And I think it's also um, every business having its own DNA and it having its own blueprint for how it's going to evolve. Um, they figure it out in their own types of ways. And I think the fact that you guys are, um, you know, always aware of how you share that tribal knowledge, document things as you go, map things as you go, and then have some type of cadence of cadence of iterating on it as you move forward and as things change, then that's the most important part. So I think that that's, that that's huge. Um, Kevin, I'd love to dive into the fourth, fourth and final six pillar of feedback. And this one I'm excited for, cause I know that you and I had uh, a bunch of different conversations just around different ways you could do this, but give us a couple minutes around how you and the team at column uh, think about um, collecting feedback and how you work with that feedback to continue to go right back to work the next day and, and improve the way that you are providing services for your customers. Yeah. So I think we are starting to get to the point where we have enough adoption that the idea that me looking at every email in live chat and then like picking up on patterns pretty quickly and saying, this is what we need to do is, is going away. Okay. Um, because that that's what we were doing before, right? Like we yeah. have NPS on our site um, we have like a help box or an inbox that like I can look at and we have live chat that I can quickly like see what those questions are and be like, okay, like this came up five times this week. We should probably explore it. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and like, we're, we're moving away from that. The other thing, the, the most valuable moment or thing that we are doing right now is quarterly. We are having strategic conversations with our customers. Awesome. And so that means that we 15 to 30 minutes, we have like five questions, very streamlined questions with one being like, what else do you wish was in the system or like what is not making your life easy and like picking up on those patterns. And those are the things that we're like resolving. So let me give you like a really, what seems like obvious piece of feedback that like we didn't think about for a little while, uh, which was if you are a law firm that has to place notices on behalf of 20 different clients and you're placing all those notices and we have like a nice little table in our site so you can like quickly access all your notices in one single place. Um, well, that's not useful if the notice just says that like you placed it with the same paper 20 times and you have to click into each one to like see which one you're, you're clicking into. Yeah, um, yeah. So everyone, everyone just kept saying all of a sudden during these strategic conversations, like you need to have nicknames for these notices, like something, <laughs> some identifier yeah. on the notice. And so like within two weeks, we like put that together and, and, you know, our like product team is incredible and they sketched out, dev executed on it. And like two weeks later, we were able to go to like all of our customers and be like, look at like what we built based yeah, on your feedback. Yeah. Um, and you just immediately saw how excited people got. Now, you know, that's something that we need to get better at is when people make recommendations, making sure we follow up and thank those specific people. I know that's like a really nice moment that I have loved as a customer. Totally. Um, but the idea that we are still 
picking up on patterns and executing really quickly is great. Um, but we need to probably do a better job when we start thinking about that at scale. And all of a sudden the uh, amount of data coming in is just infinitely more than we can just anecdotally look at. Yep. Yep. I think a um, couple thoughts here, Kevin. I think, I think the first one is just, you're right. Nothing is better as a growing business or as an evolving business when a number of your customers are calling out a specific area of the product or a specific part of the service. And over time, not only do you a pick up on it through collecting that feedback, having those conversations, getting into the weeds on, on those customer ideas. But then second of all, you start to design on it. You start to build potential roadmaps, potential paths, potential solutions that could be, could be, um, you know, achievable as far as whether it's a product base or whether it's the way I have to sell it or whether it's the way you have to deliver the product to service. But the, some of the best companies in the world take the time to do the, you asked and we listen type of feature. It's huge. It's like, you could think about, um, uh, whether it's on the product side, whether it's on, uh, on billing or ways that people are able to pay for the service. There's all these different ways that you can call that stuff out and customers love that stuff. So that's awesome that you guys are doing it. I said it all the time that one of the best CX experiences I've ever had was with a financial institution, which is not typically who you think about for good customer experience. Yep. But I filled out a feedback, uh, like a survey that said like a very specific ask that I had um, wanted that they were not providing. And like four months later, they just called me out of the blue. They're like, we saw this on your survey. We want to let you know this is capable. Do you have uh, like, we have now enabled it. Do you have 15 minutes? And let me walk through it with you. <laughs> was like, I mean, I'm there, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm I am going to be their customer for a long time unless they they do something really terrible. But like, right, right. that was that was eight years ago, and I still talk about that moment. Yeah, and like that was before I was even into CX. So like, if we can enable those moments for others as well, and like do that type of job, like that's that's what we should be striving for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you know, there's another huge. This will this will date this episode, but there's another huge moment this week, Airbnb's IPO, right? And this huge success. I mean, you saw Brian Chesky the other day, literally speech, literally speechless when they're like, do you see what the valuation climbed to? And he literally didn't have any words because he looked at it and he's, you could tell what his reaction was. But what my point is, when you look at that type of success, both financially on the market and this company that's probably going to be around for a very, very long time, one of the things that they would do and have been doing from the get-go is these constant host and guest check-ins. They they still do host and guest check-ins to this day. And part of part of their reasoning for that is as big as the business has become and as much as it's taken over the world in terms of the way that we travel, when we all hopefully knock on we get back back to traveling and back to back to our normal our normal lives, they have remained so close to what the core users of that platform wanted that it became impossible for them to not build and what um, weave some of those things into the way that they grew that business and scaled that business. And I think every one of us listening to the show and everyone who was building these businesses can do the same thing. Yeah, um, completely agree. I don't think I can say it better than that. <clears throat> Kevin, I would love for you to, before we wind down today's episode, first of all, this has been awesome, man. This has been super, super insightful, tons of great value here uh, around some of your ideas and some of the things you guys are building at Calm. Where can people find you, sir? And where can people find more about Column so that they know where to find you? Yeah, so you can look up Column. At, it's just www.column.us. So you can go visit us there and check out our fun uh, homepage that we just redesigned that we're very nice. proud of. Nice. Um, you can obviously connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, so that that's probably the best way. Or Richmond, uh, which is my last name, at column.us. And I'm, I'm happy to have conversations. Um, you know, one of the 
the things I enjoy most about CX Nation, as well as just in general, you know, professional groups that all are rallying around like a specific function is uh, how much I get to learn from other people. So being on this, I hope is an opportunity for me to be able to connect with others and be able to share experiences and um, challenges that we're all facing that we can all figure out together. I love it. Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, folks listening, do not hesitate to reach out to us if you need to get in touch with Mr. Kevin or with Calm. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate coming on the show. All right, man. Have a good one. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning into customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.